0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Eve, and you're listening to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers a little bit more about history every day. Today is February 16th, 2020. The day was February 16th, 1953. A team of scientists at the Swedish electrical company ASEA made the first synthetic diamond crystals. Diamonds have been used for adornment for thousands of years, and they've been valued as gemstones for jewelry for more than a hundred years. In the late 19th century, some scientists claimed that they had succeeded at making diamonds. Scottish chemist James Ballantyne Hannay, for instance, said that he made diamonds by sealing organic materials with lithium into iron tubes and heating them to red heat. And French chemist Henri Moisson tried to create synthetic diamonds by putting a crucible containing pure carbon and iron in an electric furnace. He then put that super hot mixture into water, and the pressure generated by the sudden cooling supposedly resulted in diamonds. But none of the experiments were reproducible, and the resulting materials were likely not even synthetic diamonds. Though attempts to make synthetic diamonds continued through the early 1900s, they were unsuccessful. The structure of diamonds was difficult to reproduce because it required extremely high pressure and high temperature. But American physicist Percy Williams Bridgman was doing extensive research into the effects of high pressures on materials. He got the Nobel Prize in Physics in 1946 for his work in the field of high-pressure physics. But in 1941, the Carborundum Company, Norton Company, and General Electric entered into an agreement with Bridgman to research diamond synthesis. But this research lasted for less than two years, as World War II was in full swing. In these experiments, though, graphite at nearly half a million PSI was heated by a thermite reaction to 3,000 degrees Celsius or 5,500 degrees Fahrenheit. But by 1950, General Electric had begun looking back into the question of diamond synthesis. Physicists, physical chemists, and engineers began researching the chemistry of the process as well as the apparatus needed for getting the high pressures and temperatures required. At the same time, the Swedish electrical company ASEA was working on making diamonds in the lab. ASEA turned to a scientist named Baltzar von Platen to look into diamond synthesis. The company hired a team of scientists, led by Eric Lundblad, to work on the project known as Quintus. For years, the team experimented with different strategies to create synthetic diamonds. But on February 16, 1953, Lundblad subjected a mixture of iron carbide and graphite to pressure for an hour. The press they used had six pyramid-shaped anvils that formed a sphere around the sample of graphite. After the experiment was over, a few small diamond crystals the size of grains of sand were produced. But ASCA did not announce or publish the experiment's results. In December of 1954, the team at General Electric produced synthetic diamonds and reproduced the results. The next year, GE announced that its scientists had successfully created synthetic diamonds. It's not completely clear why ASEA did not report its results, but it is clear that the technique Quintus used was difficult to reproduce. It was also too slow and expensive to be commercially viable, considering the experiment produced very tiny diamonds that were not of gem quality. Since the mid-1900s, plenty of synthetic gem-quality diamond crystals have been produced in labs using high-pressure and high-temperature methods, chemical vapor deposition, and other techniques. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can find us on social media at T D I H C Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Email still works, send us a note at thisday at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was it But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze Americano! Huh? Oh. Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosent, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,